Today, I'm talking about school choice. Why is it important? To answer that question, I want to give you a a short history lesson. Before our nation even became an independent nation, back in colonial times, parents were entirely responsible for their child's education. If they were wealthy enough, they hired a tutor. Otherwise, the parents or possibly some of the older siblings taught the younger children how to read, how to do basic math computations, how to run a farm, or the trade that the family was in, or arranged for their children to go to another family to apprentice in another trade. This worked well for families that were wealthy For families living in poverty, the parents, of course, would teach what they knew to their children. But if the parents were illiterate, then the children probably were as well. It worked best in New England, where the Puritans came with the mindset that education was important, was vital to worshiping God. And so they made sure that it happened. In 1647, a law was passed in Massachusetts requiring every town of 50 or more families to have an elementary school available to boys and girls that taught reading, writing, ciphering, and Bible study. Towns of 100 or more families were required to provide a grammar school. This was for the more privileged families and mostly for the boys And in the grammar schools, Latin was taught. The goal was to prepare them for university and pursuing a career in the ministry or law. But even in these communities where a school was established, it was the parents who did that. They arranged for the construction of the building. They would have planned the curriculum, hired the teacher, decided what days of the year school would be in session. So we came from this time where parents were completely responsible for their child's education to implementing or delegating the managing of the education of their children to our current day of the responsibility to pay taxes. But then everyone pays taxes to educate children So that really can't be viewed as the parental responsibility. Just compare the level of involvement today with what it was in colonial times. It went from total responsibility to what? How much involvement do you feel you have now in the selection of the curriculum, the choice of teacher, the choice of teaching method, Some parents don't feel that they have much involvement or choice at all. I remember the setting back in the 70s and the 80s when I was raising my children. I remember hearing comments from teachers like, that's just not the way I do things in my classroom. I've heard of, I remember several stories of parents going to an administrator with a request or concern and feeling like they just encountered a deaf ear. It seemed, the attitude seemed to be, what choice do you have? I'm, you know, we're running the school. We're going to choose how it's run. Take it or leave it. 
and I remember hearing parents complain about that situation. But again, feeling they didn't have any choice, any other option, and so they just accepted it. Well, there have always been private schools, but there aren't available for all families. Not all families can afford a private school. I remember I had a friend who attended a parochial school, and she felt it helped her focus more on attendance. There weren't any the social distractions. And that was an option her parents could afford, so she was able to do that. But most families, for most families, private schools aren't an option. Charter schools began to open up and spread in the 90s, and they became much more popular. I remember a time about a decade after that when I taught at a large public high school, and the superintendent came to visit our faculty meeting. The topic of his message was that charter schools were on the rise, there was a private school being built in our district, and that we needed to step up our game. We were no longer the only option parents had. We needed to compete. We needed to step up our game and improve. That alone is one great advantage of school choice. If there's only one grocery store in town, they can charge higher prices. Most people will just pay it. But if there are two or three grocery stores in town, that competition helps provide a better deal for the consumer. We've seen that in several areas of business. Education is no exception. When there's choice, it enforces a level of competition. The service providers need to improve. They need to keep up. Well, choice is always good, but most importantly, in the case of school choice, it reminds us of who is responsible for raising children. Should it be a state or federal agency who is responsible for educating our children? Do we want a nation of state-raised children or a nation of family-raised children? The answer clearly has to be the second choice. Families are best equipped and designed to meet the needs of children. A state or federal agency will not focus on the needs of the individual as a family will. A state or a nation is going to be focused on political expediency, what is the cheapest, most efficient way to run this. During the Industrial Revolution, about a, a century ago, the main function of the public school system was to prepare students to work in the factory. That was only, you know, that was the need our nation faced at that time. But is that in the best interest of the individual? And taken from an economic viewpoint, the best way to enlarge, to improve any economy is to encourage that entrepreneurial spirit, that meeting the needs of the individual, allowing a climate where people are, where people are not only permitted but encouraged to pursue their dreams, their interests, their passions, 
think how many inventions we have that are the result of this spirit, this looking for a better way to do something. Look at the advances we have enjoyed in technology that came as a result of an individual pursuing their goals as an entrepreneur. We need to maintain that climate in our nation. That's how we can improve our economy. That's how we can become a great nation. There's a phrase that I have heard several times that I feel is seriously misused. The statement is, it takes a village to raise a child. And I believe strongly that that should read, it takes a village to support the parents so they can raise their child. We need a nation of family-raised individuals, raised by parents who know and understand their children, care about them, and want the very best for them. So now we have more school choice than we did three or four decades ago, or maybe even two decades ago. We have more options. To use your school choice, there are two things you need to research. Your child's needs and the options you have where you live in your locality. And again, for most parents, the public school is the best option. But it's a mistake to assume this. Take time to visit the school. Meet the professionals who work there. Talk to parents who send their children there, to children who attend it. Decide for yourself. It may be a top-ranked school for academic excellence, but if it doesn't connect with or engage your child, is it the best school for your child? Does the school's focus match your child's interest and needs? They may have an excellent athletic program with several sports offered and taught. But if your child is more interested in art than athletics, is it the best option for them? To make the best choice, I recommend three steps. The first is to understand your child's needs. Get to know them. What are they interested in? What do they get excited about? How do they learn? Do they like to be in a group and be interacting with others? Do they prefer to be alone? Do they enjoy reading? Do they need extra support in some areas? Do they need more patience? Do they need more active time? There is no right or wrong. Each child is an individual. They will each have their own unique strengths and challenges. Understand them. Accept them. Know that your child is doing the best he can, trying to learn about the world around him, and learn about himself and find his talents, his abilities. It's very useful to point out your child's talents and abilities. Help them recognize them. So, Understand your child and their unique needs. The second step is to know your options. What's available in your area? What is the local public school like? 
Is it, does it provide the type of setting that your child can succeed in? Do they meet their needs? Will your, will your child be accepted, treated with respect? How will they interact with their peers? How much supervision is provided when your child interacts with his peers? Are there other options in your area? Are there any charter schools? What are they like? What is their area of focus? Is this something that would resonate with your child? Would this motivate them, get them excited to get up in the morning and go to school? Are there any private schools? Are, do they fit within your budget? Does their program match your child's needs? There are other options, too, as well, as, as a lot, some parents choose to teach their children themselves. They prefer a home school where they can completely control the curriculum, the delivery, the school hours. And if your child has medical problems or issues and frequently has to miss school, are there any online options or does any or do any of the schools in your area provide a home study type of course that will help them stay current with their peers. So you've researched these two areas, your child and their unique needs and the options that are available in your area. The third step is to compare those two areas that you have researched, your child's needs, the options you have. Which option comes closest to fitting and matching your child's needs. Choose what will best meet your child's needs. Make that decision. And are you through then? Of course not. Get involved and stay involved. Volunteer at your child's school and closely monitor your child's progress. Be involved. Know what classes he's taking. Know their friends. Observe any sudden changes you see in your child's behavior or demeanor. Understand what subjects they're studying. Which one is their favorite? Which one do they enjoy the most? Which one do they struggle with the most and why? How can you support them and help them feel confident and comfortable in their progress? Making, make sure your child knows that you love them and you want the best for them. Form a positive relationship with the teachers and administrators. Attend the parent-teacher conferences and all the other school events. Support the school. Participate in those fundraisers. Student success is commensurate with the positive rapport between home and school. Keep that rapport positive. If you have a complaint or a concern, don't complain to your child. Don't, don't let them hear you making negative statements about their school. But go directly to the school. Talk to the teacher. Talk to an administrator. Get it cleared up in a courteous and professional manner. Maintain that positive rapport. Everyone likes to feel appreciated. Be generous when you express your appreciation to your child's teachers to the educators who are involved in teaching your child. Make sure you know that you value their contributions. So here's my challenge to you. Research your options. Get to know your child. Know him well or her. 
Research your options. Decide for yourself. Pick the best school for your child. And then become involved. Remember, it is your responsibility as their parent to see that they are educated in the best way possible. For more information, go to my website, insupportoffamilies.com, and sign up for my newsletter. I'd love to keep in touch. Feel free to leave a comment. How do you feel about school choice? This is Emma Lou Penrod, hoping you have a great day.